Hello, welcome back to this week's episode of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast. My name is Jennifer Apple, she, her, and this week we are talking all things touring. If you are a performer who has ever wondered what it would be like to pack up all your stuff and head out on the road to do your thing, this episode is for you. I talked to Nicole Ferguson, who has been on three tours ranging from non-union, production, CETA, and we get into the weeds from her experience, from my experience on tour, about contracts and housing, transportation, negotiating, auditioning on the road, and of course, a whole slew of information, wisdom, and incredible knowledge from Nicole. So let's pack up our metaphorical bags for this episode. Enjoy. Hi, Nicole. How are you? Hello. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here. Um, you too. I, for everybody who's listening, who are you today? Hi, welcome to this Today podcast. specifically. Thank yeah. you. Uh, my name is Nicole Ferguson. I am a actor and I'm currently on the My Fair Lady uh, national tour. We are in Cleveland, Ohio. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Tell the listener just like it could be a synopsis. You can go into it. It's really yeah. your, your journey. How, what transpired to get you to this particular tour or as in like, what has been your prior experiences in life? <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, gosh. So I went to school for music theater at Oklahoma city university mm-hmm. and I graduated having played character actors and much older women, uh, because this is a podcast, I'm 5'8", so I'm quite tall. And I think that just earns you some age and maturity, mm-hmm. especially in uh, educational theater. So I spent sort of the beginning of my time in New York figuring out what it actually meant to be in my 20s and be myself um, and be in a world where you know everyone is talented and wonderful and has a lot to offer. So I, I honestly spent a lot of my beginning time not working and going to class and trying to learn to do new things with my voice and figuring out what New York was and where I might fit in or rather where I might carve out space for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, What brought you to New York initially? Like what made you choose New York? Oh gosh. I think it's just because I had to do it. I always wanted to, and I'd regret it if I didn't. I'm, Mm -hmm. my parents live in DC and that's where I, I grew up half in Hong Kong, half in Northern Virginia. So my my parents live right by DC and I knew knowing that DC is a fantastic theater town. If I moved home, I'd never leave. And I really wanted to leave and I wanted to do it. And I wanted to say that I did New York, made it in New York, made something happen for myself in New York. And quite frankly, that's where a lot of my community was going. So I felt really um, taken care of by the people around me. So that was also a nice uh, incentive. Cool. So you were in New York, you were taking classes. Were you taking mostly like musical theater stuff, on camera stuff, scene study? What was your class It was mostly music theater. And then I branched out to doing some stuff with casting directors. And that was a huge, I don't want to say wake up call, but it was a a big mental shift as far as um, the business of theater and how you might truly feel and authentically be one thing and people might project something very, very different onto you. And it's kind of your choice as the actor, if you would like to figure out how to do those things that people are projecting onto you, or you want to really stay your course and find what might be more authentically you. And if you're lucky, yeah, yeah, please. May I ask like what you felt was projected from them towards you at that time? 
Oh yeah. I, gosh, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember who it even was, but she basically stopped me in mid song. She goes, what are you doing? And I was like, ah, mm -hmm. this is a trap. <laughs> and I went, well, I'm singing for you, you know, cause I was like, ah, mm -hmm. ah. and she goes, you, you're the, like, what are you doing? You're pop rock girl. Like you need to be singing stuff at that point. It's going to age me huh? at that point. She was like, you need to be going in for Spider-Man. You need, need to be doing da, 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 da. Like all the different modern musicals that was nothing that I had a trained for or B had felt drawn to, mm. but I was really being painted as, Oh, this is, I'm a tall brunette and a tall brunette that happens to be mixed. So there is a certain like, uh, vibe about that, that I think people were really leaning into at that point. And it was, you're the modern high belt girl. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, Hmm. Okay. And that was something that I quite frankly, didn't know how to do at that point. Right. Um, and then ipso facto, you know, fast forward a couple of years, the first bigger commercial job that I got was sister act. So she figured out how to belt. <laughs> she figured Clearly. out how to do Clearly. the modern music thing, yeah. theater thing. So it, it was interesting. And but I still love the roots of what I do, which is definitely more um I mean, clearly golden age stuff. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, that it, that was a really big um fork in the road for me. It was like, okay, I can either figure out how to do this or really cement my feet into the ground and be like, no, you have to come to me. And I think now in hindsight, I've done sort of a mix of the two. Yeah. And I very much enjoy surprising people with like legit soprano stuff and having them be surprised when it comes out of someone that looks like me. Yeah. Well, also, cause you're not that resumes mean anything, but your resume mm -hmm. really is peppered with both. Yeah, I think it is. And that's what's so, f I think I love about what I bring to the table is we can do a lot of things. But what I have found is that that is difficult for creatives behind the table is okay. But if you don't tell me who you are, I think I was expecting people behind the table to figure out who I was versus Correct. me telling them who I was, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And where I started to find a lot of, um, I don't want to call it success because I think that's not the right word for it, but where I started to get traction mm -hmm. and actually started to get into artistic conversations in the room were when I went, this is what I want. Good. If you're not on board, that's fine. The train's going to just keep moving. Yeah. But, you know, if people were like, oh, hmm, like that, that was, that became kind of a turning point and was really fun for me. And a really um, tangible example of that is when I was still non-union, I was auditioning for the non-union Cinderella tour. And I think I was in a holding room of 500 gorgeous women in gorgeous dresses. And I walked in with like, I think it was like, jeans and a tunic top and heels. And I was like, great. I'll be singing for the fairy godmother. Amazing. <laughs> and they were like, oh, and I was like, yeah. Has anyone sung this yet? And they're like, it was 10 a.m. I was in the first group. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with this. <laughs> and I just did it. And I didn't hear from them for months. But then eventually I got called back for like a final callback for in that group of women. I didn't end up moving forward with the show, mm -hmm. but it was something that taught me a lot as far as like they, I could have had let them figure out where I fit or I could have said, this is exactly what I want. Right. And if this isn't the place for me, that's okay. Yeah. I've done the same thing. I mean, if I think even back to like the band's visit, I auditioned with Alanis Morissette. I love that. People were like, what I are you that. singing for that? I was like, I'm not doing what you think I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. Like I'm doing what I want to do. And therefore yeah. you will learn about me. 
right? Yes. It's that choice of like, mm-hmm. you are eventually, hopefully going to ask me to do material from the show anyway, in which case mm-hmm. you will then see me do the material that you want me to do. But up until mm-hmm. that point, why am I not doing what I want to do so that you learn about mm-hmm. who I am? Yeah. I love yeah. that so much. So thank you for sharing <laughs> with our audience that I, you know, there isn't one right way, but I'd say in no. my personal opinion, at least you can exit the room knowing that you did what you wanted. And then there's ownership in that. And so there's no Well, that's the only thing we have control over. Exactly. Exactly. Is what we do. Exactly. So So flash forward after you had this, I guess, shift in the, well, I'm going to show you what I do and you either take it or leave it. How Mm -hmm. did things start to transform a little bit for you and the work that you were given or seen for? I think I had more ownership in Mm -hmm. it. And I start, I will say it was really difficult for me to call myself an artist. That's something that has always been difficult because I think the examples that I saw were those of intense irony, not mm. an intense authenticity. Um, what do so you mean learning, by that? Um, this is so judgment on my part when people are like, I'm an artist. Yeah. And it's like, sure, great. But they're, they're, it's a whole mindset. You know, it's kind of like, this is a horrible, horrible, example, but it's the only one that's in my mind. It's like the difference between diet and like lifestyle. Yeah. You know what I mean? That one is temporary and for a very specific short-term purpose. And one is Mm long-term and like a belief system and a thought process. I think that's maybe what I'm referring to. And, and that it's, you know, everyone has their own journey. Everyone has their own thing. But for me, I just saw people saying that and it just didn't, it felt extraordinarily self-serving versus actually being authentically honest about how you live your life, how open you are. And maybe I just hadn't found my own people at that point, but it felt very trite to me. But now I really understand what that means. And I think a lot of it is about being present and accepting exactly where you are and not wishing or hoping that you had tools that you do not have. And something that I, I, when I coach, I tell my students, I'm like, you are the artistic event right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Like you can't change. You can, you can hem and haw. You can be upset that you can't do X, Y, Z. You can be upset that you didn't take this class three years ago, but it's right now. And I think that's what started happening is I got comfortable being like, this is me right now. It's going to get better because life, we, thank goodness we're not in the crew that peaked in high school. (laughs) You know, we're going to keep growing, but this is me right now. I can't change it. So if you're down, I'm down. And if you're not, then that's okay. I think I saw so many people so upset all the time, especially after auditions and so uh, confused why things weren't happening for them. And I think this is me being a middle child. When you see something happening, you go, not that way. (laughs) You know, that was, that was a good try, but I don't want that. So let me try this. And it became very freeing and also viewing, this is hilarious, but viewing the people behind the table as trapped. (laughs) Like Like in a cage. Yeah. Oh yeah. They have to sit there. I mean, within reason, but they have to sit there and listen to me. They right. have to sit there and experience whatever I bring into the room. So honestly, poor them, <laughs> you know, or, have, or luck or lucky them, but or yes. lucky them. <laughs> But I, I guess the dark humor in me, I'm like, Oh, yeah. you poor thing. You're trapped. <laughs> Interesting. And, and that became huge for me being like, you have to sit there and listen to me. So I might as well bring my a game and we can all have a positive experience. And then also really going for human connection. Yeah. That was a big one. Like actually having conversations, not just like, hi, yes, I'll be singing this. But like 
it actually forces people behind this table to stop and like remember that they're dealing with human beings. I think that's gonna be hopefully knock on everything. It'll be a little bit different now after like COVID and having time apart and really cherishing those in-person moments, but really just trying to be a person mm -hmm. was huge and not trying to be what you think people want you to be because that's exhausting. And also most of the time they don't even know. Exactly. We we put so much. We think people like it's like the adults in the room in quotes. Yes. We think Correct. they have everything figured out. They have no idea just as much as we don't. Correct. Yeah, I was teaching so. a master class and that mm -hmm. the exact thing came up where it was like mm -hmm. if they knew what they wanted, they wouldn't hold mm -hmm. auditions. They'd give a straight offer yeah. for this track. <laughs> they exactly. wouldn't waste their time, money, energy, resources to try mm -hmm. to figure it out. They if they knew right. they knew and they wouldn't mm -hmm. be you wouldn't be here. <laughs> so exactly. like be the thing that could answer this puzzle piece and then they have mm -hmm. they can stop their auditions and no one has to be quote unquote trapped behind that table ever again. <laughs> like, you know, we're all mm -hmm. released from the room and can go home and you know snuggle with our dogs. So now that you've figured out how you are showing up, you have created a, a way in which you audition and you feel mm -hmm. ownership over that. Talk about, I guess, the process to get to this tour or maybe like mm -hmm. the jobs that led up to this particular yeah, yeah, yeah. moment. Um, goodness. So for me, I was super lucky and I had a outside relationship uh, with Bart Shear, the director. Um, he knew me as just Nicole, not as Nicole the actor. And honestly, that kind of made it worse to audition for him. <laughs> because when someone, for me, when someone knows me, I'm like, oh man, if you think I suck, this is so awkward. <laughs> but as opposed to someone brand new, where I'm like, if you think I suck, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not like I know you. Yeah. Um, uh, so that actually was really stressful because he uh, called me in for King and I. Mm -hmm. and on Broadway and but it was for the Tupton track I know myself well enough to know that that is not my trap um it's just it's just not something that is in my wheelhouse as mm -hmm. far as character um but it was my first time invited to audition at, for a show at Lincoln Center it was my first time auditioning in front of that entire creative team yeah. so I wasn't going to say no you know I was I, I said okay great let's see what we can do because in being who I was and bringing myself to the Tupton material, that's when everyone went, oh, this isn't your track. Right. Your track is where um, a wonderful actress who I've yet to meet, and I'm very excited one day to meet her, is Ann Sanders. Mm -hmm. uh, at Lincoln Center, she covered both Lady Chiang and Mrs. Anna, uh, the joys of being a mixed Asian American. And that was the track that was going to be correct for me or at least where I fit and was a, I should say, I was a problem solver and a solution for yes. them. It just wasn't available. So when the tour came round, I went in and auditioned with Lady Tiang and Mrs. Anna stuff, and that one happened to work out. And it happened to work out very well. And I did that tour for a year and a half, and that yes. was great and fun. I learned so much. It was my first equity job, so that's yeah. why I got my card. Uh, and then after that, Oh gosh, what happened after that? Then Merrily happened. I did Merrily Roll Along with Fiasco at Roundabout, which was so great, so fun. Getting to do a show with like the Steven Sondheim was yeah. ridiculous. And that kind of gave me some, it gave me an oomph. Like, you know, not just one person took a chance on me. More people are taking chances on me and I'm yeah. fooling more people, you know? It's kind of the Outrageous. Outrageous. Like, everybody. <laughs> um, so when this came around, honestly, I had a coworker at Marilee, 
um, who said, like, Nicole, why don't you audition for Eliza? And I went, oh, no, absolutely not. This is not the part for me. Because what I had seen was not really people that looked like me playing that part, if I'm going to yeah. be 100% honest. You know, everyone was very petite and small and fantastic, just not like me. So I was like, oh, well, that's not a puzzle piece that I could fit into, right. you know? Um, when I got called in for my fair lady, I believe I was at home helping my parents move plants. It's how the glamorous people live. But <laughs> um, I remember getting that packet and it was like 60 pages. And I was like, Jeez. oh, oh no, oh no, oh, oh no. And I wasn't sure about going back on tour, mm -hmm. but I had just signed with an agent for the first time. And I'm very grateful because they sat me down and they were like, listen, it's Eliza Doolittle. Mm -hmm. That's a calling card on your resume. And I was like, okay, okay, let's, let's, let's try this. Let's do it. And I kind of walked in, like I walked in with an opinion, but very much like, I don't know guys. Yeah. So there was a sense of playfulness, I think, to that interaction that I don't know I would have had, had it been something that I really, really wanted and like mm -hmm. wanted to like, this is a dream and da, 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 da. And I feel kind of, quite frankly, like an asshole saying that it wasn't a dream, no. you know, now, now having it. But for some people that is like, you know, that's, yeah. that's the Mecca. Uh, now being a part of the tour, being in the ensemble, covering Eliza, having all the opportunities that I've had, I couldn't be happier that it worked oh, out. And yay. I couldn't be happier that I'm in this show. I mean, especially having a show shut down, COVID, coming back to it. Um, but yeah, that's sort of the through line journey yeah. of how I got here. Ugh, it's gorge. It's gorge. It's really, it's really <laughs> as somebody who's like peripherally watched this. You really saw story, me from the beginning. You really yeah, saw me from the beginning. But like yeah. peripherally, you know, I feel yeah. like I've seen it happen from the sidelines, and maybe there's some objectivity to that because I wasn't so mm. clearly as intimately involved. You know, it's your life. Mm -hmm. But I think it's something really wonderful to watch you because I feel like also in some ways we were mirroring each other. Like we both hadn't been represented until mm -hmm. much later into our careers. Like yeah. people were taking risks on us, whatever that means, big risks, mm -hmm. quote unquote, whatever for us being us. There was just like a very, yeah. I felt there was like a symbiotic peripheral thing that was happening. So it's just really wonderful to see you feeling and being so grounded in all of this and also just like it it all working out the way it's supposed to, whatever that's supposed to mean. Right. You yeah. know, like who mm -hmm. even knows, like none of that is, but anyway, I just had to affirm <laughs> that. Um, while they're, while we're here, I want to talk yeah. about touring. You've had two Please. bouts of it. I've had a single bout of it yeah. and it is a beast and it is mm -hmm. one that, um, is not a one size fits all. Sure. I am curious between your two tours, if you learn mm -hmm. something and clearly, obviously now we are dealing with touring in the time of COVID, which yeah. is a whole other situation, but besides the, the COVID aspect of it, mm -hmm. I'm curious between the two tours, if there were things that you like learned the first time that you were like, this must be different the second, mm -hmm. or if it was, um, or if there were like lessons learned that you were like, oh, actually this I loved and I must do this again. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, well, I to back it up even further, like the Sister Act tour that I did, a non-ex bus and truck tour, that... I didn't realize a Sister Act was a tour. For whatever reason, I thought oh, that was... Oh, yeah. Cool. So you've oh, toured yeah. many a time. 
That's why it was we're a, here. <laughs> it, was, it was it was a one nighter, baby. Yeah, um, that, let's I talk. Mean, yeah, let's go there. Yeah, and then oof, okay. So that that was an experience in itself. That was my first, as far as like theater jobs go, bigger commercial job. I think it's really important to recognize when theater is a bit more commercial as opposed to like a regional smaller production, because there are just different things that go into it and different expectations um, and different allowances as far as breath. I'll say that. Um, the non-union tour that I did, bus and truck, I was a swing and I was the dance captain. And oh that boy. is speaking as someone that is a mover plus. She is a fourth row dancer. She's a first row mover. And I getting into a position of peer leadership on top of truly not knowing what I was doing, like, because I, I had no experience. And yeah. I remember when the choreographer asked me, she was like, hey, would you be my dance captain? I laughed in her face because I thought she was kidding. Right. And she went, no, 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 I'm not kidding. And I went, oh, shit. Wow. And I was like, you can't tell someone at that point for me. I was like, I can't tell someone with like all these Broadway shows that she's wrong about me. That would be awful. Mm-hmm. Like I, I got to step up. I got to pull up. I got to do this. And I'm really glad because I learned that peer leadership is not my favorite. Great. It is something that I am adept at, but I would rather not. Um, because it adds a lot of pressure and you can start to really take on people's unhappiness that mm. has nothing to your paycheck or your role mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you end up being some someone that people go to, especially if you are a good leader and you do know how to talk to people and have good conversations. I had to learn how to say, I am so sorry that is happening to you. I wish that wasn't. It is above my pay grade. Good for you. And that, but that took like five months out of like a nine month tour. So that took a very long time, but that was a huge lesson from that one. And quite frankly, like doing a bus and truck tour makes a one week sit down equity tour look like a spa day. So, you know, anytime someone's like, oh, one week or something, like, I'm not the person to talk to about this. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah. I don't have supportive words about this. Yeah, yeah. So were you all that- staying were, with your bus and truck? Were you staying um, in motels, hotels? Were you staying in, did you have your own room? What was the style of that? So it was, you had a roommate that you mm-hmm. like signed up for. I had an amazing roommate. Her name was Jenny Boone. That's her married name now. Yes. Her name's Jenny. She's absolutely fantastic. I am still absolutely in love with her. And then we had bus buddies. My bus buddy's name is Caitlin and Caitlin Etter. Now I believe she has a different married name, but see, everyone has lives after tour, yeah. but you, you shared a bus seat. Someone was sleeping on the floor. Someone was sleeping on the chairs. I was a floor sleeper. You know, you, it was, it was a good way to earn my stripes and a good way to really know this is what I wanted to do. Uh, because if I could do it in that environment and still love it, then I think I was onto something. Uh, then switching to an equity tour and doing King and I, that was like, un unreal as far was as that like a production feeling. tier like what tier was production that production tier d it was d. production tier d and then we switched to CETA. i think halfway yeah. through um that was different because you could opt to room with someone or not and we oh gosh we tried to save so much money we yeah. would get Airbnb, like shove people into airbnbs like we really did the summer camp yeah <laughs> we yeah. really did summer camp on that tour and sometimes honestly it wasn't the best thing for my mental health and that's what i learned as far as like having my own space. And quite frankly, as you get older, you just yeah. need, your, you learn what you need. You need more space. You need more time to center yourself mm-hmm. and leave work at work 
Um, so that was something I learned for this tour. Another thing that I learned was, I mean, just quite frankly, it, it is difficult when people are in charge of you that have nothing to do with your hiring. Right. And that was a big thing for me coming on my fair lady and a big stipulation in my contract, which was my contract that mandated what happened to me as an understudy, as opposed to someone that was not involved with the creative process in that way. So that Can was you a big learning. Elaborate what you mean by that? In my contract for my fair lady, I am the first cover. Got it. So I have basically right of first refusal as far as like going on for Eliza. If our amazing Eliza gets sick or she has to call out, I am the first person that gets the phone call. As and in, if and you learned this because I would imagine the tour prior there were a couple and you didn't have the right of first refusal. I did not have the right of first refusal, and there was for Mrs. Anna there was a alternate. Which when you're an understudy to an alternate, you understand you have to understand the parameters of your job. You're there as backup. Um, but then for another for another part that I understudy, there were two of us, and I was tired of getting passed over. If I'm going to be honest, yeah, and it was enough Fair times. Enough. It was enough times that I had a conversation about it. And I said, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not someone that when something is wrong, I go, you did this. No, I sit back and I go, okay, what's, what did I contribute to the situation? What questions do I need to ask? And it was a big, it was a big learning curve as far as standing up for myself and also telling someone how their decisions impacted you. You know, even if it's convenience and even if it's things that business-wise we understand, I think it's still important as actors to advocate because we are the ones that deal with the consequences of those choices in many situations, not all situations. Um, and so that, that was big for me. That was big to learn that I really don't like it when someone else has control over what happens to me. And especially Amen. when it's things Amen. that have nothing to do with my talent, that have Correct. nothing to do with what I bring to the table. So that, that was a big, big lesson. And I told myself I wouldn't go on tour unless I had a little bit of protection because that emotional stress when it is, when it is, okay. When it isn't clearly communicated what is expected of you or what is going to happen to you, the what if can become just a, just a pill. Yeah. It's relentless. It's all you have. Yeah. It's like, well, when, mm -hmm. when, and if, when, and if, what mm -hmm. if, yeah. And then that's all you have to rely on, especially if you're sitting backstage every night hoping mm -hmm. or being ready and then the ready potentially comes, but it's not your ready. It's the other person's ready, which is great. Good on them. Mm -hmm. And also when is it yours? <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And I do think I would edit how I did this again, mm -hmm. because by advocating for myself, I have to acknowledge that I disenfranchise the opportunities of another person. Like I, I have to accept that. It was a business choice on my end. But I think moving forward, I would really want it to be great. I get rehearsed, the other person gets rehearsed. Then once both parties are rehearsed, 50-50 split. Great. And mandate that in my contract. And yeah. that's something that I think it would probably be a very big fight. But I don't I also don't imagine another scenario in which I would choose to understudy unless it was on Broadway. Good on you. Good on you. Yeah. And it's that's, hard. So to, that's the journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to add having been there myself and my first mm -hmm. contract with the band's visit, I was negotiating without representation. Mm -hmm. And that was a very, very contentious learning experience as mm -hmm. a 
female who's quote unquote greener, who's never toured before, who's, you know, trying to uh, ask for things that are not unreasonable, that are frankly being told to me by the person who played my part on Broadway being like, these are things you're going to need. I played this part for however Mm -hmm. long, like ask for these things, run roller skates. If they're going to use your hair, like ask for things. Mm -hmm. And it was such an interesting, I learned a lot. I learned Mm -hmm. a lot about the um, logistical side of things that, Mm -hmm. you know, so often if you're shielded which is the purpose of having an agent. But if you're shielded mm-hmm. by representation, they're doing that for you. And in some ways, mm-hmm. it takes away the agency of it um, mm. no from yourself, literally, <laughs> because you're doing it. But, yeah. you know, that experience was such a, a learning moment for me of what mm-hmm. are the things now that if I were mm-hmm. to ever go back into, like, what are the absolute non-negotiables and mm-hmm. where where am I able to be more flexible for others and myself? Yeah. And it's hard. It's really hard because you don't want to be someone, at least for me. You don't be difficult. Well, and it's not even, I think it's, I want, I I think this has to do with being Japanese. I'm very Mm -hmm. community oriented. I never want to take away from the community, but then learning that, okay, but if I don't maybe take these two things away from the community and keep them for myself, then there's nothing, there's nothing left for me. And And also though, if you aren't, able to have what you need, then you actually aren't showing up for the community. So, I mean, it is a cyclical thing. Like Mm -hmm. if you're not getting what you need to be present, Mm -hmm. then the community isn't being the community it could be if you were Mm -hmm. feeling full. Yeah. I love that. You know, so you're not taking anything away in order to fill your cup to show up to the community, I would argue. Fair point. Fair point. Have you been using the same monologue for years and could use a new piece? Are you applying to BA, BFA, or MFA programs and need a monologue for that process? Are you someone who simply has no idea where to search for monologues? Well, lucky for you, I do what is called monologue sourcing, in which I find monologues specifically chosen for you. So many artists use pieces based off external labeling for types and roles rather than find pieces sharing who they really are and what speaks to them. So. We'll meet virtually together. You share who you are as a human, what you love, your dislikes, your values, beliefs, family, friends, love, politics, you name it. I will help guide you through this. And then I go off on my own and find you monologues chosen just for you that fit like a glove. I've been doing monologue sourcing for years as an extension of the coaching I do with artists, and I have found pieces in this way for over hundreds of artists thus far. So if you are someone who wants to feel empowered about the monologues you bring into rooms and use for auditions, I would love to help you find them. And because you are a dedicated listener of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast, I want to provide you with a custom link to an exclusive rate when you check out today. Head to empoweredartistcollective.com slash podcast promo to register. That's empoweredartistcollective.com slash podcast promo right now. I cannot wait to help you find monologues you absolutely adore. I want to go back a little bit to like the different tiers, just laying them out for people who are listening yeah. if they don't necessarily know it. Because I know Band's mm-hmm. Visit was also tier D and then mm-hmm. that switched over t- mm-hmm. when it came back from COVID to CETA as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just logistically what that entails between the two. 
Uh, I mean, I feel like the two biggest things I can speak to you are a salary, your minimum, your minimums, your minimum, where your baseline that you're negotiating is different. And then also how per diem is dealt with and hotels and housing uh, on production D, we got our full per diem and whatever we decided to do with it um, was our choice. So, you know, you get the full amount and you can either be in the company hotel that they pick for you or provide an option for, or you can find your own housing. Uh, the difference with CETA is that there is a company option or there's an opt-out and your per diem is based on that. Right. That's sort of, I think, the biggest difference I, as far as just like logistically what it's like to tour. Yeah. Um, and I guess like that around when the company's paying for your hotel, the company gets the hotel points, not you. So that's why production is really sweet because you pay in for it, you get the points. Yeah. Um, you always get your flight though. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, baseline salary, I think, is the other big difference. Um, and then I, I do believe there's like scheduling things that create, you know, that uh, determine who's eligible for what tier. Uh, but I can't speak to those. with confidence. Yeah. Well, I know because CETA stands for short engagement. I think yes. it's short engagement. Tour. So basically, you're mm -hmm. allowed to do more split weeks, which would mean like you can split half your week. Yeah. You can have a shorter mm -hmm. engagement in a city. Mm -hmm. um, and I know also that it deals a lot more with overages. So it's like, yeah, if you, there's a different overage amount. Yeah, exactly. Right. So if you were in a contract that um, is say a production contract and mm -hmm. your show is playing in Chicago and you know, mm -hmm. they're supposed to make, I'm going to keep numbers really low, like not, <laughs> not normal. Like you're supposed to make a hundred dollars your entire mm -hmm. time that you're spending there for the month mm -hmm. and they make $500. Mm -hmm. They've surplused. So the $400 basically would get split amongst yes. the cast and the crew or whatever for overages. And for CETA, mm -hmm. they bank on there being more overages. So your yes. contract mm -hmm. itself might be, you know, less money for your base salary, but mm -hmm. because of overages, you'll make more. So hopefully mm -hmm. that's helpful. Anybody who's listening. Um, I know that that was something so interesting for me because I didn't know any of this mm -hmm. um, beforehand. And then, you know, you'd be in a city and they're like, there's like mumblings when you're on stage with somebody and you're wearing costumes and you're mic'd and they're like, did you hear? getting overages and you're like I did it and you're like why couldn't we wait to talk have this conversation when we're off stage <laughs> all the time all the time we, we face downstage during ask it and if you see empty seats you go oh. yeah we would do that too I'm actually curious so for you of the many cities that you've toured what have been mm -hmm. some of your favorite and why Oh, well, I love going. Not, to and I want to preface this for anybody who's the, listening in the states and or like Canada. We're sorry in advance if we don't mention your city and or like you're welcome. True. Yeah, cool. I here's the thing: you can find something to love about every place, yeah. even if it's. I love that I don't feel guilty staying in my hotel room and doing my taxes. <laughs> That's a thing. Like that is just a real life yeah. tour thing. Um, I love going to DC because I've been fortunate enough to perform at the Kennedy Center twice, and that's just because that's where I spent. Yeah. half my childhood that and I get I live at home like I get to you know live at home drive in work at the Kennedy Center peace out and hang out with my family yes um I love that because it kind it does create sort of the vibe as if you're working in one place and you do have a separate life as opposed to eat sleep breathe everything with the people that you tour with who are all wonderful but mm -hmm. that's, it's family it gets to a level of family um where else have I absolutely loved Honestly, a place that I'm really excited to go back to is where we close my fair lady is Fayetteville, Arkansas. That we didn't get to cute. go. I had such a that cute Airbnb cute. lined up. <sighs> yeah. That town is super cute. I love touring in Minneapolis. Unfortunately, my favorite restaurant there closed down during COVID, oh, no. but I love being in Minneapolis, even though I hate the cold. So that's, yeah. that says something. 
Um, and Green, I think it's Greenville, South Carolina. Yes, that's my favorite. Super cute. Greenville, South Carolina. Super cute. The, you can walk have, everywhere. Go, oh, this bookstore. Did you do this bookstore? They have a bookstore mm-hmm. that is on the strip, which is like all the cobblestone. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just like, it's this like little liberal haven in the middle of, you know, a non-liberal place. And <laughs> this bookstore, when you go to the back of it, had this wall that was, um, it's like blind dating in books where they basically wrap the oh. books in cardboard, like paper, and they write a little small description about what the book mm-hmm. is about. Say, if you like, like these types of books, you'd like this mm-hmm. and you have no idea what the book is. And you basically buy the book. Like based book off roulette. Of, yeah. Yeah. And yep. there's like, literally like, you cannot judge this book by its cover. Mm-hmm. And oh, that was, cute. it was so cute. Obsessed the little fountain behind and yeah. oh my God, Greenville. Yes. It's really nice. Yeah. And Chicago. I love going to Chicago yeah. because I've been lucky enough where I've been to Chicago during the summer every time. Amazing. God, it's the best. Yeah, the really good food. Also, Philly mm-hmm. had amazing food. That was deeply surprising to me. We don't get Philly. We don't get Philly. We don't get no. Boston. We don't get Denver. I'm so that's a bummer because that I love Denver. That's a bummer. But yeah, the second national is gonna go there. Got it. What would you say when you go to cities? What is the first, or what are some of the things that you like to do while you're there, if you can, if you have the capacity? If I have the capacity, anytime I can get outside and walk around that's huge mm-hmm. um museums stuff like that anytime i can get outside food is huge like one amazing food trip some treat that is like unmissable mm-hmm. uh especially like pre-covid when like you weren't worried to like go out and stuff it would be like sit at a bar and talk to the bartender about all of the stuff you have to do and then pick amongst that that is the best way to have a great time anywhere yeah. ask the bartender they will tell you exactly where you need to go like yes. in cleveland mitchell's ice cream that's been like mm-hmm. the thing you have to do and we went yesterday and it was very worth it great very worth do it. you have any routines that you do in terms of setting up your space and that could be dressing yeah. room as in your mm-hmm. actual space there mm-hmm. but also your home life whether it's your hotel or airbnb mm-hmm. etc for me i have to un- even if it's just a week i unpack I unpack, I set everything out so I know where everything is. I'm not digging through anything. Um, something you unpack, has... like, do you have packing cubes too that you unpack? Oh, yeah. Oh, packing. Like fully, no, fully... I, keep everything, I keep everything in the cube. Got it. I just okay. have to get out of the suitcase. Got it. Mm-hmm. I have to get out of the suitcase because that makes me feel good. And then a routine that I've had that was huge, especially during really, really stressful times. It's a, it seems so silly, but I have a candle that I'm mm-hmm. absolutely obsessed with. It's a brand called Witch Please. I'm <laughs> obsessed with it. And um, there are actually two guys that took my headshot, Steve Truman Gray, with up. Um, and that candle and doing a yoga flow every day has been a huge practice. And that is not something I normally do. That is not that has not been in the Nicole Ferguson Reader's Digest, um, but that's huge. I think, especially with what my job is on this tour, um, and having to be ready at a moment's notice, keeping my body physically mobile has been hugely key. And then also getting to a grocery store, so I have my food. I can feed my feed my body with good fuel, so not fuel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have yeah. everything that I need to know to have a productive week and to not have to rely on quick fixes. That right. That's really key for me. Yeah. I, I found that that was, especially when you didn't know a place so long or especially mm-hmm. when it was, you, you weren't there for as long a period of time, 
having mm-hmm. that, yeah, like I'm taking my packing cubes out and putting them on the thing, mm-hmm. or this is my space and it smells like a thing that I love. I had a diffuser. Mm-hmm. I did the same type of thing. I yeah. feel like that could be all, a tr- yeah, transformative, these small little, it these small little tricks. It just makes feel like home. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a comfort to it and a familiarity to it. You know, I, I love being the person like, yeah, whatever I can do, whatever, but consistency has its merits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about in terms of the housing choices? You kind of mentioned this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When do you decide that you are going to bunk yourself or when do you decide mm-hmm. that you're going to be with others? Or is that kind of, you know, at this point, a cadence and a mm-hmm. rhythm and it's like this many weeks, I'm going to need a break. Kind of like that, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a longer sit down, like two weeks or more, I usually like to have a kitchen. Mm-hmm. That way I can actually cook because you get into your like pattern of the stuff that you know you can fuel your body with that works for a hotel room. I also yeah. travel a little air fryer that looks like a droid. I'm obsessed with it. Um, <laughs> every time I, I close it, I'm like, Alito, it's fine. <laughs> the things that you do by yourself. <laughs> um, but I usually like to have a kitchen if it's more than two weeks. Like, yeah. for example, we're in Cleveland for three weeks. I spent one week in a hotel because I was coming back from an international trip. So I knew I wanted to have the time to adjust by myself and be grumpy by myself. But then being with a group of people, I can be a huge recluse, Mm -hmm. but I'm also a very social person. And having that built into my everyday life has been so nice, so lovely. And like, I live with my friend Colleen, who's a gem and we live together so easily. When you find those people, you're just like, Don't yes, I, I remember <laughs> that distinctly. It's, it's so smooth, and there are just some people you're like, I love you, but I'd never want to live with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, so you just it's, don't. It's all vibe that way. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Did you now if the hotel is walking distance though? I'm gonna do that. Well, I was gonna say, do you pick an Airbnb based off of location? Do you pick it off mm-hmm. of the vibe? Do you pick it pick it off of the space? What makes you choose a different type of home minus the amenities? Honestly, nowadays it's price. Yeah. Since COVID, Airbnbs are a little bit different. Like it's just more expensive. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. Can I afford an Airbnb around here? Because usually the Airbnb is a more expensive option, right. um, but worth it for the extra space and the kitchen. And the, you know, you, you balance all those things out. Yeah. Well, you mentioned it. Let's talk COVID for a moment. Obviously, you know, we're going to maybe date this perhaps this episode, given the fact that it's like a moving target, but at least this leg of tour, Mm -hmm. besides, you know, the various testing and the protocol, what about this COVID time? Have you felt or seen the biggest shift um, or noticed to be maybe a hard Mm -hmm. thing, a harder thing? when we started, we call it 2.0. So that was like, what, September 2021. Mm-hmm. One of the joys of tour is getting to see the country, mm-hmm. right? But with COVID, it was, be careful, don't go out, right. right? So that really changed how you could enjoy a place, which is why I've started exploring outdoor spaces far more and finding like places with patios is like a key factor. Mm-hmm. So that was the big change is just like, quite frankly, just not as much freedom, but that's because you're trying to take care of your coworkers and everyone around you and keep everybody safe. So I think, I personally think that's a fair exchange. Yes. Um, that changed the vibe. Um, but that also like brought everyone closer together because you kind of have your pod, you know, like you have your pod of people. And once you establish the bubble, you're in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that was one of the bigger changes. Um, 
Yeah, honestly, I would say that's probably the biggest change. It just changes the lifestyle of tour and makes it a little bit more closed off, which Mm -hmm. is a bummer because one of the fun parts of tour is you get to see the country. Yeah. Are you stage dooring at all or is that totally? We're not supposed to. Um, You know, the occasional person will still be there and be very sweet. Um, And if you know someone, you can be like, yeah, just meet me there. Um, But no, officially we do not. Stage and door. no one's backstaging either. I would imagine there's no, no tours. Mm-hmm. No tours, which was like one of the, it was I totally know. one of the fun parts of like seeing like, for me, like seeing my high school choir teacher and getting to like show her yeah. around was just so fun. And it, it is something that's very like whimsical, especially for muggles that don't do theater. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, that's how this works. No way. Yeah. So yeah, that's been, that's been a bigger difference. And how often are you all testing or was it initially one thing and now it's morphed or does it depend on the state that you're in? It's morphed. I believe now, I know protocols are changing or like in process of changing right now, but currently Mm -hmm. it's based on the positivity level in the state that we're in changes how often we test. Got it. Was it ever every day? No, I mean. Uh, It was when we would have outbreaks. Yeah. Have you had a couple within your cast? Is that like? We've had two two bigger ones. Um, we, we had one in Costa Mesa where we had to cancel, I believe five shows. Um, we now lovingly call it COVID Mesa, which like (laughs) I love, I love Costa Mesa. So like, that's like no shade. Um, that was very stressful because at that point, I think, uh, due to sickness and injuries and everything, I was the only person in the, the building that could play Eliza at that point. Um, and I, I felt so bad. I think someone called me the silver bullet and I was like, no, no, I don't get paid enough for that. <laughs> You're like different show. No, no. Maybe they can like, no, no. point. Mm-mm. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Sorry. I don't get paid for that pressure. Um, but which is a good boundary to set. Yeah. Um, and, and then we had a, a breakout that I went down on, um, oh. more recently. Uh, but listen, this, I will say this cast, this company, our dance captains, they have like moved hell and high water to make sure audiences have a show to see. Yeah. And everything, you know, we've canceled when we've needed to, and we have made it work when we've needed to. And it has been a true Herculean effort. And I mean, our crew, like our crew making all these adjustments and changes, like they don't have swings. Yeah, And they, you know, they've been rock stars, you know, really, and that really, you know, that bonds a group of people together. So I don't know. It's it's, people don't necessarily realize. And I know I didn't either, frankly, until Mm -hmm. I was on the tour, Mm -hmm. just how many people and or aspects of it that require human Mm -hmm bodies to do like we forget like the scrim doesn't just automatically somehow exist in in this you know uh, on stage like somebody has to put that fly up there to put the Mm -hmm. scrim up there and that's not one person because this thing weighs a lot and then you have Mm -hmm. multiple trucks of all these things that have to get unloaded and then loaded back up in certain amounts of Mm -hmm. time like we're not even talking about the fact that like you have your dresser you know, like you have a person mm-hmm. who's going to give you your costumes that have to not be wrinkly. And then you have the, the people with your hair. That you just met, by the way. <laughs> that that you just met. Oh, correct. Your dresser. Yeah, your You're local like, people. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, I'm naked. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Jennifer. <laughs> Truly. You know, like we don't, mm-hmm. I didn't think about 
yes, on a Broadway show or a regional contract or any, you know, larger production, you will have people, but they're not rotating in and out of a space in the same Mm -hmm. way that you do when you are in various cities that are not your everyday city and how that changes things. And I can just, Mm -hmm. I can only imagine in your 2.0 of doing this, how much more trust it requires and that it already has, like when you go into it, it already is a lot of trust. Like we're going to get this costume. It has to be done in two seconds and I don't know you, but now it's like, I don't know you. I also don't know where you've been. I don't know what COVID situation is really like. I just got here five hours ago on, Mm -hmm. you know, on a flight and that was delayed and now we're here doing a show tonight and I guess we're going. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. There, there is, there's a level of rose colored glasses that you do need to tour. You know, if you are a specific person, tour is probably not for you. And I say that lovingly because yeah. that's just not where you will thrive. Yeah. But that's one of the things I think being a swing, being an understudy, I've learned is like, is, excuse my French, is this issue worth my fucks? Yeah. And quite frankly, like nine out of 10 times the answer is no. Yeah. But I think that's a you great know, takeaway for life anyway. Like, especially oh, yeah. nowadays, like, is this oh, worth yeah. my fucks? I love that. Yeah. I, I will only have so many. That. Do you get one of them? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it really, it really makes you stop and think as opposed to, I think the world that we live in with social media and everything to be a strategic thinker, as opposed to a reactive audience yeah. to situations. And sometimes that means I don't react to things as quickly as I would like to, but I have always thought them through and I will always back them up when I do yeah. finally decide to say something or do something about it. But it, yeah. it it is it is difficult to be someone that like learning to like hold and like actually process without just reacting is is huge. And I think that's another thing that serves me being on tour. You know, just those rose colored glasses, and you got to protect your fucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I title this episode "Protect Your Fucks"? I don't know if that would be you allowed, can. but I might. Well, we might try. Um, you know, I started seeing forks. Just like in, just in life, because you never know. People are like, is this a cooking show? All of a sudden, this is, yeah, protect your forks. Um, I guess my final question about touring in this way is the auditioning while on tour. And Mm -hmm. certainly, obviously that's different now with COVID and, you know, self-tapes being so much more regulated, but I'm curious Mm -hmm. how that's been for you. Honestly, I, I have benefited from the fact that more people are doing tapes because I, I'm not in New York. Uh, I think what's been really fun for me is I have found so much joy now in doing audition tapes. And I know that sounds really weird, but it's a chance. And like, this is coming from such a place of privilege of having a job, but it gives me a chance to do something that's not what I do every day and still use my skill set and explore and have a good time. Uh, I, you know, with audition tapes, you can't be a perfectionist. Yeah. I, I love the three take. If, if I say, if you're prepared, three take wonder, you get, if yeah. you get three takes, if you're processing and building while doing your takes, you get a couple more, but it's, so it really depends how much time you have to prep, but something that, you know, we talked about, it's just like, you have to be the artistic event in that moment. You can't wish for things that you don't have. You can't hem and haw about coulda, shoulda, woulda. It is, what do I have right now? What can I throw down? And like, you really have to leave a tape being like, that's it, you know, because you have to be proud of your work. That's something that, you know, I think feedback from casting directors and teams is so important, but if you're proud of your work, 
yeah. what is the feedback actually doing? Because at, at, at a certain point when you're throwing down good work and you're proud of everything that you're doing, you're like, this is great. Someone's going to get on board. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Um, so I've actually really enjoyed it, which is a very uh, unexpected thing for me to say. Yeah, um, I've is. had a lot of fun because also like, I think with COVID we couldn't do this. And so part of me is like, what did worrying, being upset, did it, what, did it, what did that do for my outcome? Mm-hmm. What did it, and the answer is usually absolutely nothing. Okay. Unless, you know, there's always a situation in which I'm sure it could have helped, but nine times out of 10, it just doesn't. So for me, it's like, okay, if I'm not gonna have a good time doing this, it, it was already, difficult in many ways to be an artist to be an actor to be whatever before the before the pandemic we've experienced this pandemic where the world shut down we couldn't do what we love doing so actually what is the point if i'm not going to have a good time while doing it there are so many things around that of course but the core of it i just really i could do so many other things so if i'm gonna choose this i'm gonna have a forking good time <laughs> yes, yes, you will. I guess finally, if there was any, was is there any part of either tour life or just generally that you feel like we haven't covered that you wish you knew or that you wish mm. somebody told you when you were either first starting out or considering this kind of lifestyle as an artist? Oh, I think it's always the more and more I learn about the business of theater. The more and more I learn about the logic behind decisions that usually infuriate artists, yes. but the more I understand why those decisions are being, you know, it's like having a relationship with your GM, having a relationship with the people that know so many things about what we do that have nothing to do with what you personally do on stage. That's been a, a lot of just like really yummy things to chew on. Like, why are these decisions made? what is actually driving decisions for touring companies, da, 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 da. figuring out that business side of it, because A, it takes away any sort of like personal out of it. So it saves you a lot of hemming and hawing in that way. And then it'll just make you a better, because at the end of the day, we're business people. Like we represent ourselves as a business. It makes me a better business person. And then I learn what I can do to better position myself to thrive. Are you having these conversations directly being like, can I pick your brain? Or are you just putting your ears to the ground being like, what's actually happening? And let me pay attention more specifically. Or kind both? of a combo of both. Kind of a combo of both. You know, I find that if you come into a room with genuine curiosity, people are very open to that. And without any goal besides learning. And I think that can be really difficult sometimes. It's just like, hey, like to actually go and this is what I learned during the pandemic when I worked for an accounting company. So many times I would go, hey, I'm so sorry. I have no idea what this is. And getting comfortable with saying that because I think that's something as artists and actors we're taught not to say because yeah. then it shows like, oh, we don't know. Oh, why don't you know this, right? Mm-hmm. But no, saying, hey, I don't get this. Can you explain it to me? Actually creates a relationship with people and you learn a lot about people when they teach or when they yeah. try to walk you through something and you get to know people that way. So that's something that I've actually loved doing is being like, this isn't like, can you walk me through this? I want to understand it because yeah. if I understand it, then I can process it and move on or I can process it and figure out a way to make it better. Right. 
you know, I'm, I'm a very outcome oriented person. And I think that that's sometimes antithetical to what we do, which is very process oriented. But for me, if I, I want to understand everything that's happening to me, why it's happening to me, why choices are being made, because why wouldn't you want to understand why things are happening to you that directly affect you? The more you understand, the more empowered and just prepared you can be for life. That's such an important lesson, and I feel like it explains why I'm why I'm a huge fan of yours because I I'm very much the same way. And people are like, "Why you have you have how many more questions for us? You've already asked every possible question. It's like actually no, I have I do have a few more that I've just maybe one I can do I can do one one more. Okay, great. I'll come back to you when you let me that next time. <laughs> and also you. telling people like I'm not like it's it's I'm actually curious. Like curiosity Correct. is real because I do believe that there are a lot of situations in which questions are asked with a different outcome in oh, mind yeah. but for me curiosity it's a, correct it's, it's an awesome thing correct yeah because then you know how to exist and then it mm-hmm. doesn't become about you anymore it just becomes about the thing and then you know how to be and what a better exactly. way to be empowered um you can protect your forks all your forks, protect your forks. <laughs> or i'm gonna say your fox yeah. <laughs> yes she said it um nicole I know you are, you know, amidst your touring life and things are wild, but I am so grateful that you have taken time to talk to me and this community Thank you for so me. openly. Um, amongst your boundaries and the most respectful mm-hmm. way, how can people reach out, whether they want to work with you, find you, oh, all the things? What's the best way to contact Honestly, you? Probably like DM on Instagram. Okay. That's probably the best. At Nikki, N-I-K-K-I underscore Fergie, F-E-R-G-I-E. That's the best way because I'll see them faster than Facebook because I'm I'm an old lady. (laughs) But I get the thing. So (laughs) I'm like, oh, I'll look at it. (laughs) I've had to turn those off because I'm trying to do those things called boundaries. And I'm like, this isn't serving me. And I get to decide when I want to look. (laughs) I love that. She's trying. She's really trying. Um, thank you so, so, so much. Thank you for having me. As always, I hope that this episode gave you some form of clarity, insight, inspiration for your journey, wherever you are on that road. If you like this episode, please like, rate, follow, and most importantly, review us. I cannot adequately express how much this actually matters to us and this community. So please, write us a cute little review. We would love to see it. If this episode was not for you, just let that all slide. If you have yet to do so, follow us on Instagram at Empowered Artists Collective, on TikTok at Empower Artists Collective. You can always find more on our website at EmpoweredArtistCollective.com. And if you're seeking out some merch, we got that too. The link is in the show notes. As always, I am so grateful that you keep coming on back and we will be back here again next week. Until then.